welcome to today's episode of the Comfort Monk Podcast. Today we've got uh, Thomas Burkhaw, a children's author and illustrator, sitting down with Dylan to uh, talk about the art that goes into making thoughtful content for children. How did your conversation go, Dylan? Well, it was great, man. Uh, I've known Thomas for years from meeting him when he was playing in a band called Yardwork um, with another Comfort Monk guest, Bo White. Um, so really, we kind of took it from the beginning. Uh, so I heard all about his growing up in North Carolina and, uh, you know, what it was like getting into his first bands. And he kind of gave me this the detailed metalcore history, which was pretty awesome to hear about. I wasn't super aware of that. But, but yeah, you know, the th- one of the things that definitely, like, uh, brought Thomas to mind whenever we were thinking of booking him for the show was these two books that he's putting out, which if you're listening to the podcast, you're probably going to think, why are they not talking about this yet? But we do talk about it. It just took us a while. We got, we got caught up in all the music stuff, but towards the end, we really do uh, talk in pretty great detail about it. But I figured I'd want to mention at the top here since, uh, since it takes a little while in the episode, Thomas is, uh, he's putting out his second or third book that he's involved with right now and it's called the coolest noise um and it's awesome i mean it's it's like honestly like a it's a pretty cool little like book i mean it references so much like a uh, punk culture and all sorts of things i mean it, it's just not like any other kid's book i've ever experienced but uh he's got a couple others under his belt he's got the uh the abcs of charlotte was one of the first things he did with his sister um, and then he's involved with another book called What's the Opposite of Pizza, which um, he was kind enough to sign a copy for for me to give to a relative. Um, but it, when I was reading it before I mailed it to them, I, I was kind of sent down an existential rabbit hole. I mean, it was super deep, I felt. <laughs> and you know, it's a book all about kind of about thinking and questioning and how questioning is more important than answering and you know obviously it's written to to work for kids but i I texted him and was like wow man (laughs) you're maybe uh i might not have been your target audience but it definitely worked on me it sent me down a deep deep thinking rabbit hole but it was great um but yeah thomas has made a ton of great music he played in vanity plates with our friend brett nash and just so many different bands sweatlands um all of them are just kind of unique and have their own thing going but they're all fantastic but it was great having thomas on the show and getting to know him a little better and uh i'm excited for y'all to hear this this is our chat with thomas (laughs) enjoy I grew I I grew up in Smithfield. Do you know what that is? <laughs> no, I, I don't know. It doesn't even ring a bell. Yeah, dude, Smithfield is a small town in in eastern North Carolina. It's like pretty close to Raleigh. Um, so, like one high school, uh, you know, no mall. I'm trying to think of things I wished were there. 
no skate park, no coffee shop, no comic book store, um, no... Probably not a record shop, I'd imagine. Very far off from a record shop. When we got a... Like, there's the factory stores of America there. So, like, on 95, it's kind of like Tanger Outlets or something. Right. Um, There's one of those there. It's like a big outlet mall. So, like, there was a CD store in there. But if I ever wanted... Like, if I wanted, like, a Thrasher magazine or, like, uh, you know, a Boy Sets Fire CD, like, I had to go to Raleigh, you know? Oh, yeah, yeah. sure, man. So, before I was 16, like, you know, I couldn't really get anything. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Or consume yeah, I feel- anything I wanted to consume. Well, I know you have siblings. Are, are you, do you have any older siblings? Yeah, my sister is uh, about four years older than me. So, like, we just... Um, missed each other in high school. So were you able to, like, did she have any music, like, did you have any similar musical interest to where you could kind of raid her collection at all, or was it just apples and oranges, what y'all were listening to? You know, um, our inter- me and her, like, friends, we're, we're close, but, like, we, uh, our, t- our musical tastes, could, it's more like apples and, like, bricks at this point. <laughs> <laughs> but But, like, back in the day, like, she really liked Beastie Boys and like uh, stuff like that. So like, she got me my first three CDs, which were Ill Communication, uh, the Blue Album, and oh my God, what is the third one? <laughs> oh, dude, you're the, off to a great start with those two. Yeah, the single soundtrack for some reason that movie. Oh shit! Yeah, yeah with like uh, with the. Uh... I know it's got the Paul Westerberg track on it, but I can't remember what else uh-huh. is on there. Pearl Jam, Soundgarden. It's basically like a celebration of of uh, Seattle stuff, right? Um, Dude, it's funny that you that you happen to have those Beastie Boys records first. I'm rocking a a vintage Beastie Boys "Check Your Head" shirt my brother gave me a week ago. <laughs> Dude, that's that's my record, man. That's that's it's the one, one. That's the one for me, man. I might be. Slightly partial towards uh, Paul's boutique, yeah. But just because, if not, if nothing else, when that like low end kicks in on "Shake Your Rump," it, yeah, it literally I cannot help but to shake my rump when I hear that. <laughs> Dude, yeah. I mean, they just came out with a like this uh, this year, like on like Sirius Radio. They like just got their own channel. Oh man! And it's awesome, man. It's so cool. <laughs> man, I uh, I happened to find. Just, I don't know why Beastie Boys have been like all in my life the past week, but I found this uh, DVD I bought in high school that was, uh, they I guess around 2004, they played Madison Square Garden, and they uh, they gave like 50 different members of the crowd the handheld cameras. cameras. Yeah. <laughs> and they put that do- the live documentary out called Awesome, I Fucking Shot That. Yeah, I, <laughs> I remember that, man. That's so cool. Like I love. Yeah, like, I found it. It's, it holds up, man. It's a great concert. They start out with you know just Mixmaster Mike out there like just absolutely shredding, and then they hit you with a bunch of hits, and then they wheel out uh like the full band stuff to where they can all you know how they always like sprinkle in at least a handful of like songs where they're all playing instruments like and whatnot. Yeah. Uh, as opposed to just you know the DJ and the rappers mm-hmm. in front of it, but yeah, they're a great band, man. That, they're like bizarrely they've always res i think maybe because i have brothers of a certain age like my brothers my brothers were like in high school probably when brass monkey was like hitting big you Mm -hmm. know yeah like i remember hearing about beastie boys from a very young age because they were just huge when my brothers were 
turning into teenagers, so I'm like seven years old, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, yeah. Was, that was a really cool time to, like, not know what things were and discover them through either, like, older siblings or older friends or just, like, stare, like I did, staring at MTV for hours on end like you know yeah. like like it's uh, like our earliest forms of escapism <laughs> yeah man i mean like i was just like when i was when i was that age like i was just like searching for any crumbs of anything weird and uh yeah and luckily like those things were you know you could either i don't know when, when was it i guess it was like the early 90s you could either like if you were young enough you liked the Backstreet Boys and stuff like that, or if you were like maybe a little too old for that, then like your choices were like pretty cool. It was like Nirvana, Beck, Beastie Boys, like you know, like I, yeah. I, I feel like a lot of like my sister who like would never listen to this band, like like she saw like she went to Lollapalooza, like like the, the first Lollapalooza, and um, just Damn. just because like she didn't really like a lot of that stuff, but um, her friends were going, so she like saw like. Uh, she would have seen Nirvana, you know, <laughs> like it, that was when like, you know, Kurt Cobain like killed himself, but like she, uh, she saw like the first Lollapalooza. I think she ended up seeing like Deftones and I was like really into Deftones when I was a kid and I was like, why do you get to see Deftones? This is so unfair. <laughs> man, that's wild. Yeah. But, um, yeah, man, Beck was one too. Like, uh, we, I, I know my, I don't know why my sister liked Beck. Um, but I like, like Odelay era, probably. Yeah, and Loser. Oh, um, yeah. So, uh, what, what's that? Mellow Gold? Is that the record? Mellow Gold. And, yeah, I think it was Mellow Gold. And then One Foot in the Grave came out, I think, after that. Yeah. Which I think is, you're right. yeah. And, like, you know, that was way off my radar at, when I was that age. But, like, um, yeah, I don't know. Beck was, Beck was in the mix for us. And I like, Shit, I, I went to see Beck, like, when I was in the fifth grade with, like, my friend's older brother. And it was like 1995, I think, and uh, it was like that was the Odelay tour, and that was dude. So it was Beck, Atari Teenage Riot, and the Cardigans. Damn, that's killer! Yeah. I was watching footage of him like in the Odelay era. I think it was some sort of like some sort of like award show, and he he and like three other members of the band slide on their feet down this huge ramp. And then right when they get to the bottom, like the, they like hit the one together. It was like, <laughs> it's like, I mean, it was, it sounds maybe corny, but it was badass. No, was that awesome. does not sound corny in the least to me. It sounds amazing. But dude, not to just like insert my own trivia into every band you bring up, but yeah. my senior, my senior quote was, uh, from the from loser it was uh in the time of chimpanzees i was a monkey <laughs> that's so funny man like i would i would do that stuff too i'd be like dude any any opportunity i can get to like um like show the the music i listen to to you know people in my high school you know like <laughs> right like, right <laughs> you know like this is my world and, and it's yeah, going and it's going you, print, like, you know <laughs> yeah once you get out of that small town where you, where it's like you and a handful of your friends are are, yeah. are riffing on these bands that you love together, and then you meet like oh it's like there's other kids that like this shit I'm not I'm not the only one anymore and it's like maybe it, you, it feels like you like it you're uh, something that you thought was like uniquely yours is like actually everybody's but for a second it stings and then you're like oh well we can just appreciate them together yeah you know? man it's so cool yeah. <laughs> 
So, so when did did you move out of that town for college, or what? What was the yeah? What was the reason for getting out of town? Yeah, man. Um, I um, in, in school, like, uh, I was like the only kid in my. Uh, it wasn't like a rural town. It wasn't like that small, but it was like it was like the county seat of Johnson County. But it was still just like real small town. So like um, we didn't have much of like an art department or anything. So like I wanted to go to uh, Appalachian to go to their art school, and uh, we had to like figure out how to make an art class. Like you had to take four years of art to go to art school, and like we didn't have four years of art at my high school. So uh, had to like just have a study period basically that they called honors art so I could then go to Appalachian state. Um, right. yeah. So what's so it? were you already, so were you doing visual art a lot at that point? Yeah. Like that's, that's what, you know, I figured I was like good at and enjoyed. Um, so like that's kind of the path I tried to go down there and, uh, immediately like ended up in a band and quit school. Yeah. Well, what about <laughs> prior to that when you were a kid and, and you know, bored in your you know small town environment or you know not to speak for you but i would imagine there was at least some times when you were feeling a little trapped there you know were you were you leaning into your musical interests more or more of that like drawing and whatever your earliest like visual art stuff was you know um the the my, my folks are real supportive um for the like the visual art stuff like that was something they could wrap their head around and that was all that was always something that like that you know you know thomas is supposed to go to art school and be like you know back then a commercial artist you know like design greeting cards or some shit you know like right <laughs> it was something that people could wrap their head around so like that was going to be like my career path but i mean like every, i only cared about like what's us like kind of got into music it was, it was like skateboarding and art and then it was like oh man like bands and I was like hardcore and like punk and all that. So like once I found out about the stuff that like I had no idea existed, it's like all I cared about. And, uh, and by the time I got to school, like, yeah. So as far as like escapism, like, yeah, I I would say I would escape more into music rather than like visual art. Right. Yeah. I wasn't like going into my room and, uh, and drawing when I felt like trapped or, or lonely. Um, I would, which you can, which would have made me a lot better of an illustrator, right. but uh, I would rather listen to music or, uh, yeah. you know, so, or like ride around in a car with my friends and listen to music and do other stuff, you know? <laughs> yeah, maybe it's a little more of a direct channel to what you're trying to accomplish in that moment. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah. You just hit play and you're pretty much there, you know? Yeah. Yeah. For um, sure. Yeah. And that immediacy is. It's something, you know, for sure, especially as a kid when you don't, you know, when we were growing up, we didn't grow, not to sound like a real old timer here, but not growing up with like a smartphone in your hand, you didn't just automatically have like instant satisfaction all the time and mm-hmm. uh, definitely didn't have like, um, I mean, you know, in terms of like, I guess, it, I mean, to, maybe it was a little less instant that you probably had to get a CD out of the case mm-hmm. and pop it into the player and find your headphones it wasn't like now but it's still like compared to trying to draw your blues away yeah it's definitely gonna get the job done quicker yeah man Um, and i just had like a you know uh canvas just like what what do you call it like a cd booklet like a big like four thing cd booklet 
um, that I had like with white out and like markers, like drawn this big suicide machines logo on and like, <laughs> like, which wasn't even like my favorite band. It was just like, this is the coolest logo. Yeah. I know that dude. <laughs> I definitely drew some shit like that where you, yeah. And it's I, like, I don't even really listen to these guys, but I can actually, this is a cool logo. I, I want to learn how to draw. Yeah, man. And like, I, I did like that band a lot. And I, like, I probably still do. If I put them on right now, I'd probably like freak out. But, um, oh, dude, if you, if I heard somebody say, give me a Pepsi right now, it would take <laughs> me back immediately. Yeah, dude. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was with me at all times. Like, uh, ES, Sony ESP CD player, uh, like the Discman thing and like, some like cheesy headphones and that, and like that book of like a hundred CDs or something was like with me at all times. Yeah. yeah. And it meant, it, I don't know, man, it was like those little hard copies meant a lot when you're growing up, just like having to be like, you know, like you said, you didn't have a record store in town. You didn't have this, that, and the other that other kids have to kill their boredom, but you have this little collection you can accrue that is like pretty special. Um, yeah, it's kind of a it's kind of a nice place to to think back on to those times when when your music and art consumption was just almost like what you could, I mean I guess what, it, like what you could get your hands on you know yeah, like. <laughs> yeah. exactly as a, and uh, the ones that you had were like cherished items because you knew how much of a pain in the ass it was to get them in the first place you know yeah I mean and I was thinking about that too I was thinking about the other day how like like I, I put on something on Spotify and like, I realized that I like, I, I don't like, I, I've just been like super busy lately. And like, I haven't been able to like, just like dive into like new stuff or like, I don't know. So I put on like a record that I've just been listening to over and over again. And I just, I never, I'm just like, yeah, this is fine. I'll put it on. And like, I don't, and I, I'm like, why do I listen to music like that? And I think I've done that kind of like my whole life. Like I'll, Instead of like, like you know, getting Paul's boutique, then getting your communication, then getting um, check your head, then getting you know all or like you know listening to every Clash record, like it's combat rock almost every time for me. And I think right. I think it's like one of those things where I get into something not necessarily like linearly or like maybe like uh, historically, but I get right. into like one record. Or, or even like one song and like I just listen to everything in it and like get kind of go dive down into something instead of like looking at it like literally if that makes sense yeah 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 I mean I, I, I definitely feel you on that man I mean you can get lost in just a single track if it resonates with you enough yeah for sure and I mean it's so easy to get hung up like not in a bad way I, I I'll have the same CD player in my car for like months, or CD rather, in my car for months. Yeah. I'll have the same CD player in there the whole time <laughs> yeah, I have the car. for sure. <laughs> That's the cool well, dude, thing about so, having a good tape in your car if you have a tape deck, which I don't unfortunately anymore. Like, it was actually Combat Rock that I'd have in a tape deck, and I'd just be like, dude, any point in Combat Rock is is going to be fun to listen to. Oh, yeah. Um, in the yeah, background or in the foreground, it doesn't matter, you know. And those are the records that, I mean, it's justifiable that you get that stuck on them if they are that foolproof for you. You're stuck for a reason, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, man, I, I uh, kind of fell back into the clash in the past year or so, too, there. Yeah, dude. Pretty incredible. Um, there's this long podcast about them that came out. Last, I, li- or, 
I think I, last year, maybe. Yeah, dude, I listened to that one hard, man. That was so it was good. it was kind of enlightening. I've I've always been a fan, but I never knew the history top to bottom like that. You know? Yeah, I think they're the best band. I think they, I, what do they what did they claim or what was the the, the only band that matters? Oh that yeah, what yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I guess I guess uh, that subliminally like like leaked in. I because I, I feel like I'm like I don't think they're the only band that mattered, but like maybe at that time, dude. There's an <laughs> there's an article that uh, Yakubin just put out that um is about this and it's so good and me and bo were were listening to it or, or talking about it and like dude it's such a good article and it and it yeah, ref- dude, you it, should send that to me yeah i will it, it represents ref uh, referencing sorry man i can't talk right now references the uh the chuck d podcast oh nice yeah yeah it's uh, i love that i mean i actually have a really vivid memory every time i think of that podcast because i was like riding this bike in like these like DIY mountain bike trails like I was riding like I was kind of underbiked and I was like I was like really excited and I'd like never ride with headphones in but I was listening to this podcast and I just like tried to go down this thing like covered in leaves and I couldn't see it and I just like ate shit while I was listening to this podcast and it was like the most fun fall ever because it was super steep and it was like you know three feet of leaves and i just had to like dig myself out of these leaves and like find my headphones and my phone and stuff <laughs> well dude when something gnarly happens and you have like a good soundtrack like that to it it kind of makes it like i don't like you said it's like the most fun fall ever because it's it's got the context i guess is is better yeah i remember the exact moment they were talking about the uh the piano part in rock the casbah was like the oh, top, yeah. topper came in and just like he was always early um you know and uh, right. he, he would always come in, like everybody came in late, and he like just like laid that down, and that was like my favorite Clash song. <laughs> yeah, it's, a, it's a killer one, and the yeah. piano sounds amazing on yeah, it. Yeah, man. So, dude, you you're, you you said that when you got to college, that you immediately jumped into bands. Did you find yourself like, uh, like struggling to get in the headspace to like to focus on your like academic pursuit of art yeah i mean i think just my head was somewhere else man i i think like i'd wanted to do that like as soon as i heard like some band that i thought i could do you know like you hear a you hear a music and you're like man i could do that like i guess that's like what punk is like you're like you hear something and you're like i want to do that i think i could do that one day like as soon as that idea got in my head like I really didn't care about like anything. <laughs> Do you remember like what, like some of the bands in particular that kind of made you feel that way? Like made it feel attainable, like doable to you? You know, I think it was more just like getting into like hardcore and like metalcore and and stuff like that. I was like, there are people fronting these bands that just get to scream the whole time. Like, dude, I want to do that. That sounds awesome. <laughs> so if you're somebody like me who like I like I grew up more in like inspired by like like proto-punk like stooges mm-hmm. and things of that era like if if you if you weren't somebody who grew up listening to metalcore what would you suggest to somebody who wants to dip their toe in the waters i mean i i'll, I'll speak from my personal experience and say like i i got like i don't know why like it was boy sets fire and like a uh, snap case and uh converge and stuff like that, botch. I mean, like, I don't know when I heard botch, but I was like, this is like my definitely going to be like one of my favorite bands forever. Nice. I don't even think I've heard that name before, man. That's yeah. new to me. Dude, that's so funny because like, 
you know, I know you from like yard work and stuff. Um, yeah. but like, there's like, like the metal core Thomas, like that was a whole life. <laughs> oh yeah. I kind of knew that. I think I kind of, I knew that even when I met you through yard work that you had that history. Yeah. And like, um, and like, I, you know, I met some, like, um, like my friends, um, who I played in a band with like Ryan thrift and, and, um, Mike Dean, like, and, uh, some other people that were in that band, like, uh, they were the ones that kind of like shepherded me into like the world of like hardcore and like metalcore and like North Carolina, like North Carolina's like rich metalcore scene. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. What? What's? I'm sure this isn't. Uh, this is not going to be something that would be classified as metalcore. But I'm. There's a band that's like a real, really well known North Carolina heavy band, and I'm blanking on the name. It's something of conformity. Oh, COC, yeah, corrosion of conformity. Yeah, what, like, what? That's kind of like you had to put them in a box. What would you, what would you call it? Uh, like I know like, it's not metalcore. <laughs> yeah, th- like thrashy metal, like definitely, okay. like definitely, like in in the punk world of metal. You know, like yeah, I, I mean, thought it was a little more on that side of it. Yeah, and like that was a band that, like, I definitely, like, I I didn't get super into like metal ever. Um, but like COC and like um, who else? Uh, like Bolt Thrower. There were bands that were like on my radar when I was like a kid. Um, but like I don't know. This I, I I don't know why I never like got into like straight metal um, yeah. that hard. Well, it's like there's just so many different like. I feel like people who are metal enthusiasts. It's like it's. Those little the subgenres matter a lot. It seems like as far as like oh my God, what, yeah. what bands resonate with you, you know. Yeah. I, my friend Eddie, who does the podcast with me, is slowly educating me because that's like a a little bit of a blind spot for me. And you know, I I really really don't know the difference between a lot of the you know black metal, grindcore, all this stuff. Like I get a little bit lost in the names, and then I. But I'm trying to learn. <laughs> yeah, and what's crazy about that is like grindcore and like black metal are like, in like, some people would say like those are so far apart. <laughs> and, right. and then if yeah. you, then if you like you play them to my mom, they're like, hey, those are both terrifying and shitty. Why would you listen yeah, so to, <laughs> to people who aren't metal fans? They're gonna think it's somebody yelling with a bunch of loud amps behind it. You know? Yeah. They they don't distinguish it. But I I'm starting to pick up on the like the things that kind of define the the little subgenres for sure but uh but yeah like not to backpedal i know i'm i'm kind of really interested about what was going on when you're in this art school but yeah. when you were growing up in that in that small town it sounds like you got into this stuff pretty early were you like were there some bands that you managed to see when you were pretty young despite not being in a town that would be like by any means a regular tour spot for anybody yeah did very you get accurate. out of town to see some bands like what what um, lit the fire for you so yeah the first like i was saying like that the the bet concert and all that like oh, in, yeah, in yeah, 1995 yeah. was like like the first thing i ever went to and then like i randomly went to like the horde festival i don't know if that was that was ever on your radar <laughs> No, I don't think I've even heard of It was of that. like Blues Traveler, Ziggy Marley, uh, the Black Crows. I saw, I think I saw Wilco. I think I saw Wilco there and, and Morphine and like, so there was oh, th- Morphine. I love Morphine. Yeah. So there, there were some, there were some acts that like, 
you know, I didn't really know. It, it's it's pretty tough for like a fifth grader to appreciate like Wilco. Um, right. But like, you know, I saw some. So like, th- those were the, kind of the concerts that I was like that I got to go to. I definitely went to the Family Values tour when I was in high school. Um, you know, so that was obviously very formative. That was that was right. like corn and like I don't know if it was corn at that point, but uh, yeah. So like, I've I've seen concerts like that too. You know, and uh, but I don't right. know. Man, the first show I ever went to was at Cat's Cradle, and uh, it was uh, Boy Sets Fire, Snapcase, and weirdly Southern Culture on the Skids. Yeah, um, that is an odd fit. Yeah, <laughs> and uh, no, I think I think Alex Chilton had a brief period with Southern Culture on the Skids, didn't it? Uh that that makes sense. That I would could that... be. I could be getting my uh, my trivia there wrong but i want i want to say that he might have played with them for a little while or I, I could be mixing up different people that scene gets a little bit like there's a lot of collaborating that's happened there yeah I don't know if he like produced them or if he was in the band or if i'm just totally misremembering that involvement would not be shocking for sure yeah um but yeah that's that's like um that those are kind of the first shows i started going to uh were like in chapel hill and uh burlington like uh, my friends Mike and Ryan, who I uh, was in a band with for years, like um, the first band I was ever in, like they kind of got me into like some like local scenes. So like I was going to see bands like Beloved from Kernersville and like Hope's Fall from Charlotte, and like yeah, I've definitely heard of Hope's Fall. Yeah, I didn't realize they were a Charlotte band though. Yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, so like kind of like local North Carolina bands like that, and. Uh, yeah, man, that that's kind of what I was. So it was more like a, like kind of like um, hardcore and like metal and like like emo kind of kind of stuff. Like like saves the day and stuff like 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 always trying to go see like get up kids and saves the day and stuff like that. <laughs> nice. So when you're you know away at art school and kind of digging your heels into these bands, were there any of the bands that? became like pretty regular touring acts or were they mostly staying kind of around the college town or the bands that I was in? Yeah. So the band that I was in, um, what like, like we, we basically, they would come get me. Uh, I didn't have a car and, uh, they would drive to Boone and like, basically I would like have band practice in Charlotte for a weekend. And then we started playing shows. And once we started doing that, I was just like, dude, I'm gonna do this. <laughs> and like, what was the what was the band that you were kind of mainly focusing on? That band time? was called The Burning. Nice. <laughs> and uh, I mean, I've heard worse band names. Oh, for, that is definitely not the worst. I've uh, heard for either. people's first bands, but I'll take any jabs that that come at me for that <laughs> one. Like, I mean, it, deservedly. But um, so that was just like I don't know some like 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 kind of like like we wore the same clothes when we played and stuff we were like nice. very into like refused and international noise conspiracy and stuff so like Ooh, those um, are good influences to have though. yeah <laughs> so i mean we didn't sound like that <laughs> yeah that's all right though the fact that you even were just digging on it is a good start yeah those were like uh, big bands for us i mean but uh but yeah so that was kind of like you know just like i don't know trying to figure out how to how to be in like a heavy band and just going crazy and playing really hard and not knowing how to make your amp sound good yet. And, uh, 
then that turned into control delete, which turned into control, which was like a band for a while. And like, we did a little touring and stuff. Um, but yeah, like I moved to Charlotte in 2002 and then like lived and like basically, uh, started up control and we would play like a lot in Charlotte, a lot in like, uh, Western North Carolina. Like there was like this really awesome, uh, scene in like Eastern Tennessee and Western North Carolina, like Hickory and like Valdez and like Johnson city and like all shows. So Charlotte shows would be like pretty cool, but people would be like a little too cool at these shows, this big city of Charlotte with its metalcore scene. But then you go to like Hickory and you'd like play the best show of your life. Right. So they, so like, I don't know, it was kind of a scene, uh, in Western North Carolina. And, um, and I think like playing shows like that, we kind of learned that like the crazier you go, like the more reward, like the harder you go, the more reward you get, like the better it is for everybody. And, uh, it didn't seem like people were too concerned with like what was necessarily coming out of the speakers. Right. It was kind of the, uh, (laughs) the emotion and the like conviction behind that emotion. That's really making it hit with the hickory kids. Yeah, (laughs) for sure. And like, there was a lot of bands like that and it was like always fun to see them. And like, I don't know what they sounded like, but it was fun to go see them. I mean, cause like at that point, like everybody didn't have an easy way to record, you know? So like, right. you know, you're just basically like, you'd see some band that you really liked and then like they would have like the worst recording you've ever heard. Um, but you'd still listen to it like a thousand times in a month, you know? <laughs> right. It was yeah. different times. Yeah, man. And you're appreciating it from kind of a different level. You're not really buying it to like criticize your like, your impression of the like sonic qualities of it yeah, you're doing yeah. it because you you remember that time you were in that basement with all of your friends or whatever and that song was being screamed at you or whatever yeah man um, and I, re- I remember like uh like everybody would go record with this dude he was like the one he was like the king he was also the only person that anyone knew that recorded his name's jamie king and i don't know what he's doing now i don't really know the dude but he was like the guy like, dude, I heard you're recording with Jamie King. That's huge. And then you, you listen to the to the music now, and you're like, this is this sounds terrible. <laughs> like the yeah. the kick drum <laughs> sounds like you're slapping a brick wall. And like, yeah, it's yeah, like, back when the only thing that made you the best producer in town was the fact that you bought a microphone. Yeah, <laughs> like you can figure out how to put a microphone into a computer. Like, yeah. you, wow, you're, you're like a star producer. Yep. Yeah, but that guy went on to like record like you know good stuff and like records that like are, are oh yeah yeah, yeah. Are, like I mean, you know he, like these seminal NC hardcore records, but like he had to start somewhere. But yeah. it is funny how like the the way you qualified things back then. Like I remember seeing my older brother put a house show together at my house when I was a kid, and he he was in college already, and I was like eight years old, mm-hmm. and it was in my garage, and it was all these like you know people who were ten, twelve years older than me, and I. I don't think the bands were necessarily that great, but there were these bands right in my yard. You know what I mean? And yeah. in my head, I was like, "These are the coolest fucking bands ever because yeah. they're the va- that's the band that's here right now. It, it, this is the band that makes it makes me feel like I'm actually within arm's reach of like some sort of DIY music experience. Because I mean, I grew up in a similarly small town, starved of any sort of like music." 
to appreciate, you know? Um, yeah. So, yeah, all that stuff is huge, but then it's funny how, like, sometimes I almost wish that it's like a purer appreciation of music to a certain extent because it's not tainted by years of you being more selective, I guess. Yeah, and, and but, I, I wonder if it's, a, if it is, like, that. I kind of think about that sometimes. It's like, is it a pure appreciation of music or is it just, like, or can you just... Starvation. Cla- or, 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 or can you just classify it as, like, joy? Like, can you just yeah. classify it as, like, you know, that was the the most like innocent, joyful time in my life. And I, I was so impressionable and things made such good impressions on me or, because it does suck because like you, you meet these people that have played five shows and you're like, holy shit. Like you're playing a show. That's amazing. You did this and it is amazing. Um, but now like for a band to like impress you, like a band you've never heard of, like comes to your town to impress and they impress, they have to like, lay it all out they have to be so yeah. good they have yeah. to check so many boxes and it's just it just suck. you know does that suck or do you or are you like even more uh appreciative of uh getting to that level now i don't know man it's it's a, it's yeah, it's a complicated <laughs> way of thinking of things for yeah sure. for sure man <laughs> I, I think there's something to be said about how like i don't know where i, I always feel like i misquote this but i heard somewhere that there's like people who say that people who pursue art in any way are trying to like connect back to that lack of understanding of being a, like when you're a child, like say that you're a, you know, you're a toddler and you see your, your, the curtains in your living room are blowing from the wind out the window, but Mm -hmm. you just see this like fascinating, like, uh, movement of the fabric. You don't really connect the dots that it's the breeze coming in that's making that happen. You're just fascinated by the fact that it's happening. Mm-hmm. And I've heard, I've heard some people argue that like the pursuit of art is like trying to get back to that headspace of like a lesser, like a less full understanding and a more rich, like just like almost like a bewilderment kind of situation, you know? Dude, absolutely. I mean like that childlike, um, uh, I don't know, mindset. Like, th- do you know that Jonathan Richmond song? Uh, Pablo Picasso that talks about oh, him being an asshole. Yeah. Is that I don't know if that's Absolutely. the name of the song. So like you know, it's called, yeah, it's Pablo Picasso. Like he was, was a, he was an asshole. Like nobody cares that he was an asshole. He he was an asshole, but the reason he was an asshole, like the way <laughs> the theory that I've heard is like the dude was the best painter ever because he never grew up. Like he became an adult and he became intelligent and and you know decisive and you know, discerning, but he never grew up. Part of his brain never grew up. So like, yeah. he was an asshole. Well, if you make it to that degree as a, in, in your, in something that you are passionate about, like painting to a certain extent, like your, your day to day is like the main thing that you have to get done is being kind of free spirited and artistic and creative. So it allows you to like, not fully grow up a little bit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, a- absolutely. Yeah. And like, but his pursuit and his like, uh, his pursuit of, of whatever he was doing was childlike. Like his wonder was childlike. So like he, yeah. he, he could produce this stuff and he, he could, you know, somebody that the person that says, Oh, I'm not creative. You know, like I, I don't, I don't draw, I can't even draw a stick figure. You know, like we've all heard someone say that, you know, yeah. or like, I, I can't, I can't even play a note on a guitar, you know? 
like those people, someone told them that they can't do that. You know, like somebody was like, you know, in in very formative years, somebody was like that duck looks like a Turkey that sucks. You know? So like, that's why it's so important. You know, it's amazing that you grew up with, you know, a supportive parents and stuff, you know, like the kind of like, yeah, yeah, maybe they, maybe they thought about it a little bit differently than you and that they, you know, that they were like, Oh, he's, he might grow up to be like a commercial, like artist in that regard and that might not have been how you were thinking about it but they weren't telling you to not pursue art and that's huge you know yeah yeah or they sure, they man. didn't label it as a hobby either you know what i mean they they knew that it they knew that it had potential to in some degree and they put that into your brain which i'm sure had to have been you know very encouraging had some pretty yeah. long lasting effects you know yeah man absolutely like and with music too it's like if i uh i don't know why I think because of the, the avenues that I went down with music, it was just like, <laughs> like, I, I want, like, you know, nobody's going to be like, uh, your band sucks when every band sucks that you're playing with, you know? <laughs> <laughs> so like the encouragement you get was like, man, that was crazy. And you're like, all right, cool. Crazy's cool. Yeah. <laughs> so dude, you know, I know you said the control was a big one and like, and there's a, you know, a handful of different bands there but were there any like because for me the story picks up at yard work mm-hmm. that's where i first met you but like i feel like just because you know i want the full thomas story here <laughs> like what are there any other like bands between control and yard work that stand out to you as like pretty big bullet points on your musical journey as far as bands i was in yeah absolutely that, dude that was the jump right there was control to yard work like, um, wow, really? Yeah, because uh, Control broke up, and I can't remember why Control broke up. I, I guess we couldn't find a. Um, so, so the the drummer uh, Mike Dean, uh, he's like, you know, crazy. He's like crazy good, and it, it just kind of clicked for him. Like the band that we were in before Control, he was pretty terrible. He like was really good at thinking of drums, and then all of a sudden he became like one of the best drummers like in in the in the scene or whatever. And, uh, so once he left, like nobody could really, nobody made us happy, uh, in his role. So I guess we just stopped playing. I think that's what uh, happened. Um, you should tell him that so that he realizes how special he was. Dude, I talk to him all the time. It's not a big deal. <laughs> 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 He's trying to move to Hawaii. Uh, like, we but it, it, it says something about like the, the core members of a band. If you really genuinely feel like it's not worth it without them, you know? Yeah, for sure. And I think, you know, there was a lot, I mean, you know, why do bands break up? You know, there's so many reasons, but, yeah, um, I'd say that there's, it's a, it's harder to peg why they stay, stay together sometimes. Yeah, you know what I mean? <laughs> sometimes for sure. Um, um but, but once that fizzled out, man, like in, like when I was in, uh, control, like I didn't play, like I was just the singer of that band. And uh, I didn't play. What? I didn't know that. I would not have realized that you were. So you were just the front person in that band. Yeah, man. I didn't play anything. Like, Dude, please tell me that I could find some of that music somewhere. Yeah, it's like on Spotify. It's it's like you know. What? Dude, you got. It, it's kind. So was it? Did y'all put it on Spotify? Because Spotify couldn't have been around when you were an no, active band no. then. Like we were. Dude, I mean, we could do like maybe the worst podcast ever on the release of our EP. But um, to, to, I'll, I'm gonna try to condense it and like make it like as uh, digestible as possible. 
So uh, Magic Bullet was like this. Uh, I don't know. They might still be a label. They're uh, they're this like legendary metalcore label. They like released. Uh, you know, I keep saying like this band Boy Sets Fire. First show I saw, like uh, you know, like a queer lead singer. Like it was just like a big big band for me. And uh, they were on Magic Bullet and like all these other bands. Like Old Man Gloom was on Magic Bullet. Like all these bands. So like this dude that runs Magic Bullet was like hey, I want to release your record. And we were like, holy shit. So we did. Dude, that That makes my heart happy well, even now. <laughs> well, buckle up, dude, because Uh-oh. it starts to suck. So, oh, he, no. so we were just like, yeah, whatever, Magic Bullet. Cool, 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 cool. And um, he puts us on a split uh, with this band called Massacre of the Umbilical Cord. Speaking of bad band names, I don't know if that, that was is their first s- band. That is a serious band name. But he was like, yeah, man, they're from South Carolina, and they're like allowed like grindcore band and you guys are from north carolina and you guys are like a loud band uh let's do a split and we're like whatever man y- uh you're brent eyestone you run magic bullet it sounds like a great idea so he makes some terrible album art puts us with this terrible band releases this record that one side is like the worst grindcore i've ever heard and then it's us which like you know we cared about it and like we like you know we think that we were a good band and uh it, and then the, then the band put like a secret track like so like they had the first side of the split we had the second side and then they had a secret track that was like maybe the lamest thing i've ever heard and so oh. people just thought that was us oh no they released a special edition of it that had like all this like drug paraphernalia and like all this stuff and it was just like the lamest thing it was so lame so like even now like if I'm like, yo, Dylan, check it out. Uh, check out this old band I was in Control on Spotify. You have to search Massacre of the Umbilical Cord to even get there. Like it sucks. And all the reviews were like, uh, Massacre of the Umbilical Cord sucks. Uh, we didn't listen to the other side of this split because why would we do that? So Oof. yeah, it, yeah, that's it, a t- that's a tough rollout right there. Yeah. So. Brent and what year are we talking about that this that this happens? 2004, 2005, something like that. Man, I'd be interested in even just like trying to think about like where the vinyl world was in 2004. Like, that, that's definitely dude, pre the Renaissance. Vinyl. It wasn't even on vinyl. Oh, okay. So it was just like a digital split type of thing. It was on. It was on a CD, dude. Oh wow. Yeah. So uh, if Brent Ison is listening to uh, Comfort Monk, I would just like to say thank you. that's only we'll we'll try to find them we'll send them a direct link yeah please do please do we'll have a part two where we have his take on the on the split yeah great idea dude (laughs) (laughs) maybe we could just make like a separate podcast that's really just getting down to the just all about that split get down to the nitty-gritty dude yeah i think a series i think a series yeah definitely it'd be and we could try to get chuck d to narrow it you took the words right out of my mouth man (laughs) Uh, but I'm still gonna like as soon as I get done talking to you, I'm gonna hit up the old Google machine and find that. I'll I'll send I'll send you some stuff. There's some good videos out there too. Nice, dude. So <laughs> good. So good videos. so the drummer situation happens. You guys move on from that. Like, were you already friends with Bo and that whole crew? No, it was just like a no. That's that's a pretty interesting story too. How I met Bo. Like, um, so like Control ended, and I was like, I don't play anything, but like. I want to keep playing music. So I just like, I played bass like a little bit. Cause like, you know, it's easy. It's got four strings, you know, did you like, already have that crazy ass bass, that no headstock bass? That's or was a, that even, 
that's a pretty like new development in my life. Um, okay. That, gotcha. that, that happened like late. That was like late yard work. Um, okay. Yeah. That, that thing's cool, man. <laughs> yeah, that um, is awesome. That in its own right has a kind of an interesting story. I love that it was like, so like Devo esque for an otherwise very non Devo project. Yeah. I hated Just that like thing a- at first cause I was too stiff about it. And then like, when I look back and like see pictures of that in our band, I'm like, Matt had it. Matt was right. No, Matt, was Matt, Matt was right about that bass. Like that what, bass. Who, was, what's the brand even for that? It's I've a, seen them before. So it's a Steinberger copy. It's a Honer. Like they make like uh, guitars and stuff, but people know yeah. Honer more from like, uh, like harmonica. Harmonicas, yeah. Accordions. Or the Paul, Paul McCartney bass. Right, right. Is that is that Hoffner? Oh, you're right. Yeah, I think, I think that's Hoffner. Very similar names. I'm getting yeah, my brands yeah. mixed up here. But Honer. Um, yeah, they made a copy of it. I don't know if like one one's owned by I think maybe Honer owns Steinberger or some shit like that. But um yeah, so it's just like a cheap version of a of a Steinberger bass, which is like a really really nice gra- nice. graphite bass. Um they're crazy. Well, forgive me for interrupting to nerd out about your bass, but yeah. so so you were saying Oh yeah, so uh we so control ended and then I wanted to play some stuff. So I just started demoing. Like I was listening to a lot of like Akron family and, uh, God, what else was I, was I into back then? God about Akron family. Yeah, dude, dude. You're, you're killing it tonight. I'm going to go home and have like all <laughs> new shit to listen to. Yeah. That was like a big band for me, man. Like a yeah, big, big band. And, uh, I don't know what else, like, you know, like sung tongs, like animal collective and like, um, still like hardcore stuff. But, um, yeah, I was getting into like the, the, I don't know, that world. And, uh, yeah, so I was like, I want to make some music that kind of sounds like that. And I just demoed some stuff. And the first song I ever demoed was, uh, I think it was ended up on Brotherer. And it was like, uh, what, uh, is it red? It's wet digital red storm. And that was almost, that that was almost the name of the band, but I don't know why, uh, I would ever change the band name from that to yard work. But I think that was a good, yeah, that's, a, good that's a weird shift, but yeah, it's a good, good decision. But, but dude, that song's incredible, man. That one's almost like got this like, uh, like Gregorian chant vibe to it. You know, like it's, uh, I just remember that one standing out. I was talking to Bo. I don't think we talked about it on the podcast, but we were chatting afterwards and, but that first self-titled EP, dude, we, me and uh, my friends Mark and, well, you know Mark from playing with us, and then our, our friend uh, JB, who we were, all the people who were in this band that we played in when we first met you guys in Atlanta yeah. that time, we got that self-titled at Wonder, EP. At Wondery, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. And we got that, we, we picked up the self-titled EP, and like, first off, every a copy was burnt for everybody in the band, and then <laughs> it was like... We literally every time we went anywhere in the, as a band, that was like always in rotation in the car. Hell yeah, like, that's awesome. You guys, I think of Yardwork as like the soundtrack for like you guys were one of those bands for me, one of those bands who like made me excited to to pursue music because it was like it was that's the first crazy. band. I one of the first bands I remember. Like I'd seen plenty of bands before then because I started playing music in like middle school as oh, far as wow. like playing live. I mean, not wasn't any good, but I was doing it, you know. Uh, but uh, you know, but I was playing with a bunch of bands that weren't. There were a few bands that we were friends with that we were inspired by, but uh, 
not a ton of them. Mm-hmm. And then I just remember going to Wonder Root, and you guys, I was like, just blown away by it, man. Like, absolutely blown away because it was awesome. like, that was back. I don't know if you guys did this all the time, but I know that at that show, you like passed out like tambourines and whatever instruments you had, like small auxiliary percussion stuff <laughs> to the crowd. And it was like everyone in the crowd was in the band. And it was, it was just like this great communal, like, it was just the the most positive, like, enjoyable show that I remember seeing at that age. And it like, and it made me really, really excited about music. <laughs> so, Dude, that's so cool. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah, man. And it's awesome to hear how you got there. Cause it's like, not, like, I feel like the the bands that you were into and and that you were in prior to yard work sound like what would have been like, they would have been really well received. Like we, we weren't Myrtle beach kids, but we grew up near Myrtle beach. Uh So we like, that was like the next town that that was like the closest city, I guess. Right. Right. It's always had a pretty horrendous music scene. Yeah. We always like, we were into like the stooges. And then like later on we were getting into like, maybe like kind of had like a brief period of like, folk obsession or whatever uh-huh. but uh so we were like doing some sort of weird hybrid of like like st- like the earliest stuff was like very stooges s new york dolls or whatever and like we're like 14 year olds trying to do that kind of sound and like everybody else was doing like i'm trying to think this is like we're talking like 2005 era like hardcore but like not the type of hardcore that i think that you would have made because it was way worse than i think what you would have made <laughs> but we we no always felt like that <laughs> yeah we, we always felt like man if we were just a hardcore band we'd be huge around here but i kind of <laughs> wish that they were like the way you're describing control and these earlier projects of yours they sound like they're like similarly heavy but like pulling from like a well of influences that's much more interesting than like like the Myrtle Beach kids were like, like AFI heads, but heavier, but not even the cool AFI. You know what I mean? Like yeah, early yeah, AFI yeah. is kind of cool, like like loosely like horror themed, reminiscent mm-hmm. of like Misfits or something. And then that gets a little bit more in the like MTV era of that sound. And right, then right, you right. Take that and then throw in a bunch of like, like Myrtle Beach aesthetic. <laughs> and you got it nailed. That was like what every band sounded like. Dude, you know? yeah, we we didn't get we didn't get down to Myrtle Beach, but uh, like ever, just because like we didn't. You could have changed the scene, dude. dude. Yeah, if you guys would have rolled through. Maybe there would have been like a a spot for me in the hardcore scene there. I could have appreciated it more if there were Thomas. Dude, you know who was from? Bands you know who's from Myrtle Beach? You know who's from there? Who? A massacre of the umbilical cord. Holy Cir- shit! That's perfect, circling back, dude. Circling back. Like yeah. I said, all the worst hardcore <laughs> came from Myrtle Beach. Uh, yeah. I feel like I appreciated that there was such blind enthusiasm. Yeah. <laughs> for the genre there, but it was just none of it resonated even a little bit, man. Yeah, like, man. I mean, there, there were. I bands... appreciated their passion for sure, but yeah. I just did not care for the bands in particular. Yeah, and like with, with with control, like there was like you know there were so, you know just like. For the for your listeners that have never been in a band before, you know, like you, you know, like there's all like there's never a band of people that want to do exactly the same thing. Maybe that is a thing, and maybe that works really well. Maybe that's how you get a band like the Stooges or something. But like 
um, you know, control, like at its like best period, there was like one of the dudes uh, was really into, you know, more technical stuff. One of the dudes was like Bosch, dead guy, um, kid gorgeous, like just heavy, like sun, uh, you know, get all the amps you can kind of thing. And then uh, me and the other dude were like, yeah, stooges, refused, um, makeup, you know, stuff like that. But we were in a hardcore band. So like we were doing that in the world that we were in. Um, but, you know, like I say that you're going to go listen to it and you're going to be like, man, this is just crazy. This is just like really loud and insane. Yeah, <laughs> like, no, but I, I, what influences? I, I, I can't hear them because like, you know, it's too loud. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I'm excited to go down the rabbit hole regardless, man. But, yeah. Uh, so, so you were saying that you were starting to demo out, you demoed out what digital red storm, but yeah, so that was, was that originally yeah. planning to be a yard work song or was it just a song? You know, I didn't know what was going to, I wish I could remember like the, 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 um, intentions I had with that. Cause I don't know if I ever, just because of my, like, un, like I was just so unfamiliar with like actually playing instruments. Um, especially like in front of someone, um, I don't know if I ever had the intention of it being a band. I don't know if that ever like clicked or like when that clicked, but I just like, you know, I demoed that one and then I demoed Cindy, uh, which is on brother as well. And like, let's see. Yeah. And then the original version of that band, like, uh, the guy I started that, you know, uh, naked gods. Oh yeah. So that's like definitely our like kin. Like that's that there are like, brother band like oh, that dude I, I remember being blown away by all the poster art back then man like oh, whoever yeah. was doing all that poster art was that was me awesome. that was me and matt um, oh shit yeah, well, yeah that yeah, makes yeah. perfect sense because it definitely looks a lot like the artwork in the books that you're putting out yeah yeah i mean that's that that's like the whole yeah that's like the whole story of me and matt damn um but um so i would go up to boone so like um speaking of there's, there's kind of a bunch of different ways we can circle back to Boone, but like I went back to school there and then I met, uh, Matt Nelson, who was in yard work. I met Eddie that was in Eddie Schneider that was in yard work. Um, but also Seth Sullivan and Derek Wyckoff that were in naked gods and some other people that are like, you know, my best friends. Um, but so I took those demos up to Derek because I knew Derek was like, you know, he could record stuff and he could demo stuff and, I don't remember no. if should Nick, I know Derek was he in he wasn't in the band right Derek was in Naked Gods okay, or it, gotcha, it is gotcha. in is in Naked Gods um so I went up like and Derek and uh Derek and Seth and my other friend Chase Glenn were in a band called I think yeah they were in a band called Veliset which was this like total like like crazy you know seven person i don't know how many people are in there, but this crazy like three guitar hardcore like metalcore band like straight up nc metalcore like straight up so like those guys and naked gods had the same kind of like roots that uh, some of the yard work people did and and like same school like same kind of same similar stories like got into metalcore like you know worship these bands that like you know are just like metalcore bands they it, basically and um yeah so i took it up to him and we like demoed some stuff that like i hope he's deleted 
Um, but he, like we wrote Ethiopia together up there and, uh, yeah, Derek's plan was like, I, I figured it was going to be me and Derek and some other folks and yard work, but he like made the very wise decision to like, yeah, man, I think naked gods is the thing I'm going to do. And that's it. And like, that's unheard of these days to be like, yeah, yeah. man, I'm going to be in one band. Right. Like I think Athens, like the Athens music scene just like ruined everybody's lives. Everybody's <laughs> like, like, they're just, like, man, in Athens, you go to Athens, you could be in six bands, you know? Yeah. So then, then everybody takes the Brett Nash approach. Yeah. That. Then everybody, yeah. I don't know if, I don't know. I don't know if that, that, that virus spread to Brett Nash. I think Brett Nash would have just done it anyway, but like, yeah, that's true. No, know, he he would have started, was, he started his own Athens. He was um, born to be in every band. Yeah, dude. Um, the government needs to pay that dude money to be in bands. Exactly. Yeah. We, we all know it. Um, so, uh, yeah. So I took it up to Derek and, uh, we just kind of, and I don't know, then I started like showing it to people and then like, you know, I had some friends that were like, Oh boy, here comes like the lead singer band. you know, like when a lead singer right. of a hardcore band starts like a synth side project or some shit. And people were like, Oh man, this is cool. Like this is, this is like weird and different and cool. And, um, as soon as I got that encouragement, like it was really encouraging. And, um, I don't know, I started playing it in my apartment with Matt, uh, Russell, who was in control, not, not Matt Nelson. And, uh, he was playing for a little while. Lee Herrera was a real early member. Um, I didn't know he ever played. Yeah, man. Yeah. He, 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 oh dude, he was like original, uh, yard work for sure. Like he was definitely like song. I was like, wasn't he was in Harvard too, right? Yeah. Yeah. So was that, that's before then, right? It was not before Harvard. It was the same time as Harvard. Okay, gotcha. Yeah, yeah, gotcha. yeah. Um, so, and and he, like, you know, same story with, with, like, like, Lee wanted to do both, but it ended up that, like, you know, he just did Harvard and, like, look at Harvard. Like, they released, like, incredible records, you know, and did, a, yeah. did, a, did, a, did like, really awesome things. Um, but, yeah, so it was, like, me, Lee, Maddie, I think Eddie was an early member, too. And then, for some reason... Matt Nelson, like, not because of yard work, but you know what? Just in case he listens to this, I'm going to say it was just because of yard work. He moved, nice. he, he quit school, and uh, instead of, like, becoming a, uh, like, I think his plan was to be, like, a, a cool prison guard, like, the cool prison guard, um, the criminal justice. Interesting plan. The criminal justice major prison guard. I don't know. Uh, talk to him about that. But uh, he left, um uh, he left Boone and moved to Charlotte and then it ended up being, uh, that kind of crew. And then like, while I was demoing these songs and while this was like all kind of like churning around and happening, whatever version of this band was kind of like churning around. Um, I had a house show and it was Des Ark, and I knew Des Ark from like the control days. And, uh, oh, I was, really? yeah, Not that far back. Yeah, so, like, you know, Amay used to play with, like, you know, just, it was basically, like, Des Ark and then punk bands, you know, like that. What an incredible band, too. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, that, like, Des Ark is definitely, like, big-time formative stuff for me. Um, So she came and played. I was like, hey, you want to come play a house show at my house? And uh, she was like, all right, uh, who who am I going to play with? I was like, I don't know. 
I'll, I'll figure that one out. And she's like, do you know Calabi Yow? I was like, Whoa. I was like, I know I've heard that. Like, they're not really like, this was before like every band in Charlotte played with every other band in Charlotte, which is like the coolest yeah. thing about this town. So was it pre Yow house being like really a thing? Then? No, dude, it was like, it wasn't like probably what it became, but it was definitely like kicking then, man. It was definitely like, okay, gotcha. I, I don't think I'd been there, but I mean, like, amazing bands had probably already played there before I ever gotcha. was introduced to Bo. So she was like, yo, uh, get in contact with those guys. And I was like, yeah, that sounds cool. Like, you know, I want to meet this, this weird fucking band that I've heard, but I don't know the guys. And they came and played and, and none of my friends knew who Clavia was. And everybody was like, what the fuck is this? What are those guitars? We don't know what K guitars are. We don't know what this, this kind of stuff is. And like it, like they just like, blew us all away and so i think of, that's kind of the the nature of calabi al for ab- sure absolutely man every time you see him like i mean yeah, i mean i remember my older brother singing their praises before i ever even heard yard work like he was a huge fan of them yeah and that's i mean that was just the stepping stone band to the rest of your uh my heavy digestion of bow projects over the years dude I, I i've like purposefully not like listened to that podcast because like i'm just like you know i gotta give myself some time and space to listen to the bow podcast you know <laughs> but like calabi al dude like out of bow has hasn't done anything uh wrong in his damn life but i mean I, that band is just like is it the best band he's ever been in? I don't know. Is it the best band in North Carolina? I don't know. But like, well, it, how is it that this man has also been in yard work? You know what I mean? Like, to, <laughs> I mean, to me, to me, he's been in two of my of my all time favorites. Yeah, it's dude, just crazy. It's incredible. Everything everything he touches, like, it, it's just crazy. But like, then there's Calabiel. Like, yeah, I don't know, man. Like that band is crazy. Is that like the same era that like Lightning Bolt and bands like that were kind of starting to pop off? Because like if they, if not like that would have been this like a perfect pairing. I mean yeah. they're different for sure, dude, but I feel like I bet, if they toured Calabi together, it would have been so cool. I bet Calabi I played with Lightning Bolt, dude. I don't know, man. Like I, like that air, like that. I would put them like, you know, like in that world for sure. You know. Oh yeah, like uh, refined freak out. You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely, man. And like they they just made something so bigger than so much bigger than like. uh than the sum of his parts like you know that's like the whole goal of like playing music right like like getting like a couple people together and playing is like you got to make like the reason you're good is because you made something bigger than the sum of your parts like they just made something like monstrous you know out of just so deep and just and, and you know you can take it apart and it's just like oh yeah that's weird and jerky that's weird and angular but it's just like they well, did what was did they have like much of a recorded output Man, you did the like the, That's what the podcast should have been about with Bo. It should have just been. <laughs> I know. I should have o- picked that apart. It should have just been over and over again, dude. Why can't I listen to Calabia right now? <laughs> exactly, dude. I mean, it's not too late. Let's just get those dudes back in a room and hit record. Yeah, man. I know, man. It's it's crazy, man. It's, Davey's still around, and and Bo's still kicking it. Who was the third member? Robin Dorman. Uh, I don't think I know him. Yeah, Robin Dorman is in Patois Counselors and is in oh. uh, he was in Moenda, another incredible band. Oh yeah, great band. Yeah, um, yeah, Robin's the man. I mean, it, it, yeah, it, I mean. So it, I know exactly who that is. I didn't realize who. I guess it just 
it's easy to be distracted by like when you have a member like Davey in the band who's just like visually like probably the most expressive, you know. So yeah. Like, oh my god. He's like when I think of the band, I think of him. Yeah. Uh, and I, I, of course, I think of Bo just because he's the one I know the, the most. But yeah, that's awesome. I did not realize he was the third piece of that puzzle. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, yeah, that band was incredible. Um, but yeah, so, that, good. so, so they played my house with Desarc and Mustang, which was like, um, uh, uh, Dustin, I think Mustang was Dustin that's in beach fossils and, uh, which is crazy. Like that dude was in all these really rad bands, um, some really far out stuff. And, um, then like the most mellow thing he does is the one that like, you know, it's like sustainable. <laughs> yeah. It was probably partly the timing, right? I feel like when Beach Fossils started hitting, it was a time when like that style was definitely like had potential to blow up, you know, probably similar, like not too long after like causes of this and that kind of stuff, you know, for sure. Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. Who else is in? I think, uh, yeah, just Mustang was like this really rad Charlotte band that was a little too short lived. And I wish the members had like whatever reason they broke up for. I think that project should have been explored like so much harder. That band was so killer. It sounded like the red ants, like a little bit and like just this like really garagey thing way before, like that was like the only music that people feel like they could play. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, right. yeah. You know, it's like, I'm gonna start a band. What, what kind of, it's gotta be a garage. Rock band. <laughs> Some version well, of garage I rock. I'm I'm very very glad that yard work didn't suffer the the same like uh like lack of recorded fate that uh the Calabial did because they I mean, they you guys, have tons of recordings dude but they don't do they how I mean but how did they ever like formally release them as records I, I mean I think that's kind of like I mean I, dude I could talk about Calabial all night. I think that's like, <laughs> I'm happy to do it. I think that's part of the thing, man. Like, I think if you ask Bo about it, like if I, if I like, if I like Bo, I want you to come over and I want to talk to you about something. And he, I, I was like, I, I need to know like why it's not easy to get Calabi Al's music. He'd probably be like, because man, it's like, as soon as it's easy, it fucking sucks. You know, like the reason I'm, I'm saying like Calabi Al is the best band I've ever heard uh, come out of North Carolina is because I can't listen to him right now. You know, like, yeah, it's true. You know, it's leaves just, you wanting more. That's yeah. Sure. Just like we were talking about, like with like, kind of like that, the, uh, you know, kind of like the, the, the exploratory, um, nature of like, you know, when you find out about music and you can only have so many, uh, CDs in your CD case, you know, it's just like, you know, Calabial, I think is a, is a band I like to have to figure out how to listen to, you know? And it's like, Maybe, you know, I should have thought about that the 25 times I didn't buy an EP at one of their shows. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, Bo is, has been known to do that. He'll put out one of my favorite records and then pull it off of all streaming services, and you're like, damn it, yeah, I didn't man. get it in time. Yeah, it's like, a, it's like a show or something, you know? It's like, or, or, uh, or a theater performance or a, or a play. Yeah, it or, makes or, it more of like a... If you were there when it happened, you 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 got it. If you weren't, you'll hear the people talk about how great it was yeah. for the next ten to twenty years. You know, <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> well, yeah. dude, I, I, to to kind of like put a pin in my thoughts on those two projects. If you're listening to this podcast 
you should firmly know the Comfort Monk stance that Calabial and Yardwork are two of the greatest bands that ever existed. <laughs> Go listen to everything you can. There's a bunch of stuff from Yardwork. You got two EPs, a full length. Am I, am I missing anything? There's what? There's the self-titled EP, Brotherer, and Slam Dunks. Uh-huh. Is a self-titled oh, and, uh, EP anywhere on the internet? I don't think so. I've been looking all over for it. I have a... I can't find my, like, like 15-year-old version of myself's copy of the CD anywhere. There's a, I was th- just talking. There's a split, too, somewhere. With Andy the Doorbum, right? Yeah, there's a split, too, with Andy the Doorbum. Eddie just, Eddie's sitting here with me while I recorded, and he interjected and was like, oh, don't forget that one. Yeah. That is a crucial one. Dude, I think there's, like, and there's, like, we're on compilation. Dude, I... There's probably some other shit, too. <laughs> but, uh, you know, we, we could sit here and sing the praises of Bo, but, you know, you're... Your, I think Bo has told me many times, and I, I always thought of yard work as like, uh, as like, I guess because by, by the time that I saw you guys, there was a lot of uh, Bo songs and your songs, or yeah. or or songs that Bo sang lead on, mm-hmm. and Bo, I feel like, I hate to speak for him, but I feel like I remember years ago him saying like he kind of always thought of yard work as kind of quintessentially like your voice, okay, and that he like interjected moments into it, and I might. Uh, you know, we'll do, we'll we'll consult with Bo to make sure I'm not uh, <laughs> entirely wrong on that. But it, it's funny. I think that might speak more just to like the general humbleness of Bo, and that like Bo, Bo, you had a huge stamp on this project, and you're good too. But uh, but hearing you talk about it makes me realize like the genesis of it really was kind of a a Thomas project. You know, the first handful of songs. That I that feel very bow in nature too, just because I'm used to hearing Bo play on them. Mm-hmm. He wasn't there in the and the initial writing of uh, Ethiopia and you know, and the other early songs. So it is like, I think maybe what he was getting at in that was just that like, the uh, formation of it kind of came from your head, and then it became much more of a like collaborative thing later on. But uh. But yeah, one way or another, you guys made a band that made a huge impression on me and still does, so I'm stoked to have gotten to know you guys over the years, <laughs> and, and those albums mean a lot to me, man. Yeah, man, I appreciate that. It, and I will I will have to go back and say this, man, like, you know, like, that band, like, there, there was kind of like this, like, unspoken formula of, like, there was, like, a group of us that didn't really know what we were doing. We just know what we wanted something to be. And then there was a group of us that had that, but they also were like, like fucking gunslingers, like Bo and Taylor Knox, Lee, you know, Noah Warner, like, you know, and then, you know, Chris Thomas was in the band for the while too. Amay. Yeah. Uh, like Amay. I forgot when Chris was on the band. Yeah. Damn, you guys yeah. had some eras, man. Yeah, for sure. And like when we were first starting out, like when Taylor came, like when we were like. Dude, Taylor is, I really love him as a drummer. He's so awesome. Like when, like, and this isn't, this isn't discounting anyone's like abilities or like contribution, but like when Taylor, I think it's more of like, just like the way things got recorded, but like slam dunk sound sounds more like we have two drummers than uh brother. And cause I think Taylor was just like overconfident. He was like, you know, Eddie's not in the group anymore. So like I gotta make it sound like there's three drummers or some shit. Yeah, right. <laughs> you know, it's it's crazy, man. And like yeah, that's such a good. I, I 
talk about an underrated EP, man. That one. That oh, thanks, great. man. That that one that one was like like really really fun to write and and like we did that one really fast because we were like the first EP we did really fast. Let's do this one really fast. But um, yeah, yeah, yeah man, and like. And like Eddie too, man, like Eddie, I met up in Boone and like Eddie's, you know, one of my best friends. And like, I've been in, I've been in another band with Eddie before. And like that dude's just like, he is a vast, like, uh, resource on it. Like you, you can talk to that dude about anything and he will know something, uh, at least conversationally about anything you throw at that dude. And then like, if that's in the realm of music, like, he will show you some stuff that like, like you're just, I don't know. It's, you're just going to, as Eddie would say, you're going to want to lay on your floor, turn the lights off and, and spray yourself with a spray bottle while you listen to this. Nice. <laughs> well, I think that's a beautiful thing about yard work, man, is it's like nobody, I, I think, you know, you know, the maybe the reason that, that, that passing comment Bo made about, Oh, like, you know, kind of trying to give you maybe, the lion's share of the credit or whatever it was that I don't know what his intention was, but that's kind of like the, the vibe I got to a certain extent. And I was like, I think that it's a, it's a testament to it. Like it's a fairly egoless band and that had, but, and I think the re- part of the reason that it came across that way or, or just genuinely was that way. was that like, like you were saying, some of your parts, man, like yeah. everybody in that band was fucking phenomenal. Yeah. Man. So it's like, if you're one part of a really great machine, it's really easy to credit a different part of the machine because it just feels like you've got lightning in a bottle and you don't. You're like, oh, I can't take credit for this. I'm just every. I bet you every member of that band probably felt, you know, like, oh, I'm just part of this. Whereas, like, no, 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 you're a, you're like an incredibly crucial ingredient. Absolutely, <laughs> you know, every, man. But it, it, it's rare that a band's got. Hey, I mean, it was a you know good many people in the project to begin with and every single person in it was like adding such like unique touches to it like uh is it matt that did matt played second guitar right so matt played bass and guitar matt was like okay crucial man because like for one thing like matt isn't like you know that's what i was just gonna say he is killer yeah like so he, I, I, I hadn't heard, until I revisited Yard Work recently, like, I don't know, you know, obviously, like, I know your work outside of Yard Work, and I know yeah. Bo's work outside of our Yard Work a lot more, so really, my only, like, musical experience of Matt's is his playing on that, and I was listening, and just a lot of things that, over the years, I assumed were either you or Bo, I just naively, I watched a video, and I was like, oh, that's, Matt plays all that? Like, he is his style is really fucking cool, man. Like, yeah, man, he's kind of like, like he's kind of on the team of like, not trained, like not like, not necessarily like. He doesn't he, need any training. No, dude. no, his, his approach is perfect. <laughs> but he, but he's kind of like, yeah, uh, I, I don't know, man. He's like, he's he's not on the side of yard work. That's like the the real like proficient side. But he he fucking is though. Like, it helped me out a lot because like. I would write bass parts and I couldn't play them. So like, like the song, like, dude, I don't know it. Like I'm, I like guitar is just never anything I'm going to care about. So like I would write everything on bass, um, in the beginning. And like, uh, so I'd write this bouncy thing and then like bass and vocals, like, you know, that's what I would write. And like, you know, fill in all this other stuff that probably never made it to like a record. 
and um matt would uh so he would he would kind of switch between guitar and bass because i'd be like dude i can't play this and sing and he'd be like i'll play it on bass and he would learn like this thing that's you know nowhere near like maybe his style which i think is one of the hardest things to do but then like as we progressed he started playing guitar more which was like really cool and really made us like like anything like that you can't put your finger on or anything that like is just kind of strange and kind of makes us different than a lot of other bands or just kind of makes us better makes us uh, better than the last song like that's a lot of matt's contribution like he he's a, he's on another plane <laughs> yeah i mean it, <laughs> with, with, even with, when you like, watch him play with the amazing. band he's kind of like so if, if you're watching everybody crammed onto this tiny stage like it's like like the video that i'm thinking of in particular like matt's kind of far stage right and mm-hmm. everybody else is kind of like huddled together and matt is just vibing out just him and his amp like <laughs> dude, he's it's funny like, but he literally was in his own world up there dude he's like he's like uh you know me and him like are you know very close you know we've done like two books together we've been like you know matt, like i talked to matt on the phone like every week you know like and well, uh tell him i'm tell him i'm singing his praises cause I, I, I don't I think i don't even know that matt and i have ever met uh but uh let them know that a stranger in South Carolina really appreciates him. <laughs> yeah, dude, Matt Matt, know, Matt knows Dear Blanca and, and you and everything. Yeah, but um, he uh, he, you know, we, we stay in, we stay so close because like we do bike stuff together, we do the book together. But um, dude, he's gotten it's so funny, man, because like he's gotten so into like really heavy stuff these days. So he's like, man, have you heard like Neurosis? I'm like, yeah, man. <laughs> I've heard Neurosis like 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 twelve years ago when I was like you should check out Neurosis. He was like whatever. And he wouldn't do it at the time. Yeah, I what, bet, whatever. Yeah. You heard you heard of Bonnie Prince Billy? I'm like, yeah. Tell me about that. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, that's the way it is. I have friends like that too who like you told them about something years ago, but they just gotta discover it on their own or whatever yeah, they dude. don't like to be and shepherded it, it's just so, that that's just like his path he's got such an interesting path with with, with all of his interests and stuff but um well, also andy like andy is oh yeah like his totally his, his story in yard work is so insane because like andy this this shit's pretty funny man like lee couldn't play our first show um and uh eddie also which could, was what where was the first show that was at the yow house and like, okay, so, that makes sense. so Eddie and Lee couldn't play our first show. Um, so Noah Warner played uh, drums. He played second drums. And Andy played bass on one song. I think that's how it was configured. Like, uh, we just needed, like, an extra person to play bass on the last song. And uh, then Andy just started coming to practice. Andy was never asked to join yard work ever formally and he that's just, even better man he just he just like i just remember going to guitar center with him and he's like yeah man i'm gonna get some tambourines and he's like dude these are 35 dollars each what the hell <laughs> <laughs> you know and like so he he played tambourine and yard work for years and then he started oh, yeah. and then he started getting other stuff like a glockenspiel and then like so did he eventually play sax dude, or am so, i imagining that he played like trombone and trumpet and like he was not so great at that and then something clicked. Cause dude, how are you going to play? Like, it's tough. It's tough. Like, yeah, those are hard ones to like, I'm not, to... not like the instrument itself. Sure. But like, dude, how are you going to play? Like, 
like brass. I mean, brass is pretty loud, but like, you know, we probably sounded like a clusterfuck most shows. And it's like, oh yeah, let me dial in this, this like delicate instrument. But dude, <laughs> right. so then the dude gets a saxophone and just like starts playing with Brent Bagwell and great architect. And the dude is just like incredible. And like, oh, yeah. it, like all of a sudden, Andy, God, I forgot about great architect. God, Charlotte's got all the best bands, man. <laughs> dude, it's, it's pretty nuts. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, he just likes some, he, he is a really dedicated, like learner, like not just a musician, but he's just a really ded- dedicated learner of things. And he learned saxophone fast and he got so deep into it. And I'm sure he still is. And, uh, dude, I mean, he, that was a huge deal in the way we sounded once he started playing saxophone. Yeah. He's awesome, man. Yeah. That man. whole crew is fantastic, man. I'm, I, I'm going to put in my formal request now that if the dust settles to where any sort of live performances make sense in the future, got to get Calabi Yao and yard work back for one, one great final show. We'll just sell out snug Harbor. And, <laughs> That'd be so and, cool, dude. It'll be amazing. That'd be so um, cool. We, we would but dude, all, all, really all like of that. our, all of our like chatting about Matt seems like a natural segue, which I meant to bring this up before an hour and a half into our chat. But <laughs> I, dude, I hadn't. Uh, I mean, you we, edit we, these, right? <laughs> uh, loosely, we we edit them, but only if there's a huge chunk of bullshit that I said or something. Right, <laughs> but, right. Uh, for the most part, it's it's pretty straight up, but uh, but it, yeah, so. You know, one of the main reasons that it that it clicked to me, at least the timing. I've I've always wanted to like kind of deep dive into your history, but like the reason that I hit you up when I did was because of these books you've been putting out. Which, you know, for our listeners, they're gonna hear Eddie and I are a hundred percent gonna bring that up in the intro, so it, they'll know about it before we get this oh, far cool, into cool, it. Cool, but, cool. <laughs> um, but uh. But yeah, like so it's it's awesome to know that like some of your earliest collaborations with him as far as visual art were those yard work posters, you know, like the ones with naked gods and uh Desarc and, and all that stuff. Like uh but yeah, what I, so he was not involved in the ABCs of Charlotte then, right? No, man, that was just me and my sister. Like uh similar like stories, but like um yeah, ABC and went through the Charlotte was just like, you know, real real basic, real like kind of easy pitch kid kids books um about charlotte you know um so who's who was doing the illustration on that your sister me oh well cool yeah that just it feels like it kind of like sheds a light on the uh on the range you've got because it to me it's a it's a pretty different style of illustration well man that comes from matt man like matt is a incredible drawer like he he like I say drawer. I don't know why I said drawer. I mean, he's an incredible illustrator, but I, I say drawer because like the dude, well, that's where it starts, right? Yeah. You know? We both went to school at, but he, he wasn't in, he wasn't, I don't think he's ever taken an art class. Um, ever. I don't even know about like high school and stuff like that. Dude just like draws. He likes to draw. Some people are just born with it, man. Yeah. It will. He also is like, you know, I was talking about how Andy is such a good, like, he can dive so deep into something and like put his brain on something and really like just really get deep into something and, and, and learn it in a really meaningful, meaningful way. Like Matt works hard. Not only does he have a lot of natural talent, but like he works really hard at uh, what he does and learning how to draw as well as he does. And he, he constantly is like, 
you know, he's just developing. Well, so, you know, you did, you did the first book with your sister, which was, mm-hmm. you know, I, I remember you guys were hitting it pretty hard when that came out as oh, far as yeah. like, you know, doing, doing a lot of events, pushing the book. And was it, had you, at that point, were you already kind of thinking of collaborating with Matt again, or was that just something that happened naturally after the fact? No, it definitely happened naturally after the fact. So the way it happened with Christy was, uh, Christy always kind of wanted to do a kid's book. She's like, you know, you, you, you can draw. I can, uh, like, I'm in the school system. Like, and, and she would always try to come up with these ideas that, I don't know, man, like ki- kids books are tough. Like we have yet to do like any narrative work, you know, just because like a lot of people have kids books ideas and they're not so good. And, you know, you don't see it when you, when somebody tells you the story of, of whatever that they're thinking of. So Christy came up with this idea of the ABC and one, two, three stuff. And I was like, yeah, man, that's like, that's easy. You know, that's uh, it's not a story. Like that's just about a city. Like it's going to be easy. People are going to want that. Yeah. You can pick your favorite a thing about Charlotte. Yeah. Right. It does. It does give you, but there's something to be said about like giving yourself, like you say easy, but, I think. I mean, it was hard to actually make it, but yeah, like, yeah, yeah. What I was gonna say is like, I, I get what you mean, and that like it gives you parameters that it just narrows your focus, so that it makes it where you're not just like, what the hell are we gonna write about? It's like you kind of know the 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 general structure of it, right? You got a, a letter per idea, and it kind of just makes it like it just gets the ball rolling because you don't have to the, the brainstorming session doesn't have to be as long cuz you know the you know the structure the yeah. brainstorming goes into the content mm-hmm. whereas uh but honestly to be i th- i think it makes the like if you're talking about like an arc like the arc of your your published material as far as this three run book children book uh, series. I know they're not sequential or together, but uh, it's like you kind of gave this like, I guess maybe the first your first book is your most palatable or just like your your easily understood the concept behind it. Even behind like you know like every mom and dad out there gets the idea of like, especially if they have any sort of roots in Charlotte, would mm-hmm. get the appeal of of. Well, I'm teaching my kids the ABCs, and I want them to love this town as much as me. You know, it's just like it's perfect. It's a perfect like first entry into the genre. And, um, and we saw it in other cities too. Like you know, like we knew that it would work for Charlotte because we'd seen it work in San, like for San Francisco or whatever. Like concept is definitely like not like you know, you know, it's it's something that happens in a lot of different cities with a lot of different illustrators. Well, that's and the cool thing yeah. is it's it's such a like. It's a relatable, easily digestible concept, but yet you guys still have. It's so Thomas, and so <laughs> like, and and your sister is uh, obviously has a huge influence on it as well. So it's like it doesn't feel generic in any way. It just feels like a like a palatable entry point. You know what I mean? For sure. Yeah, man. I appreciate that. Yeah. I mean, she, she's great. And she's the, she's the only reason any one of them has ever sold to, you know, it's like, you know, I, I, I don't know anything about like, I mean, at this point I do, but like, you know, she, I, I just drew that book, like everything else. Like the reason it's a book that you can hold in your hands is because of her, you know, like, <laughs> you know, um, yeah, she did the, the business in maybe a little bit. Oh too. my God. Yeah, Absolutely. 
you know, and just like dot like publishing a book yourself, like yourself without anyone helping you, like right. that's incredible. You know. Well, how did how did it feel? Like, I mean, that's probably one of the, if not the only, it's certainly the probably the biggest collaboration you've had with your sister. Only, yeah, the only one, yeah. That, those two books. That's huge, man. That's so like, if for no other reason than throwing it in the fucking Thomas time capsule, man. <laughs> like it's a it it's a it's a that's huge, man. You'll you'll never forget that experience i'm sure and also like you know i'm sure you've experienced this too like you know with being in such an active band like you know you, you kind of start to realize that you to not everybody's like this but a lot of people are like to sometimes you need like a project to to maintain a relationship you know like or to at least deepen a relationship and um yeah i mean that's probably why i've been in like 15 bands or 25 yeah. bands you know it's like because that's how i get close to people and that's how you know that's how my relationships yeah. unfold and like you know you got to have like a common interest you know that's how my parents have a successful marriage they're always like building stuff you know right. well dude that's like honestly as much as me and eddie have enjoyed just having a having comfort monk as a project yeah. like a huge part of it is like Eddie and I were buddies early on in me in Dear Blanca being a thing. And then we, uh, like not intentionally, but just because life fucking happens, like unintentionally drifted apart. And then we got back together and immediately, as soon as we like, we never lost our friendship, but we rekindled it a little bit by just like spending more time together. As soon as we did, we like almost immediately leaned into this comfort monk thing, and now we hang out or at least speak to each other like most days. It's like awesome, I was dude. saying, same thing with you know, me and Brett made a record together recently, and I was like, dude, I love the record that we made together, but I think that the biggest thing, my biggest takeaway from it is that we may have made this band just so that we had the text thread for the band, you know? dude. Ab- absolutely, <laughs> like, man. It, like I, I love the, the material that comes out of any of these projects that happen but the biggest thing is like having a reason to be together you know yeah you gotta to do stuff together you gotta have something to do man i mean some people don't like some you know i mean i don't know i i think that's just the thread that uh connects everybody that's in my life right now is is just it's either a bike or a band or a book they all happen to start with bees so if there's yeah, another right. thing it's gonna have to start with a b but yeah, um, you should have a yeah just have a book that's the bees of Thomas's life. <laughs> that would be Books, like spikes and bands. That sounds like a very different kind of book. <laughs> yeah, that, that could be your uh, your autobiography. Sure, sure. <laughs> the, the, the three bees, yeah, dude, and, and your last name as well, Bricard. It's crazy. <laughs> it's crazy. <laughs> uh, well, dude. So you know, you, you you guys, you and your sister make the first book that you kind of get your feet wet as far as just entering that world, and then. Like, what's the stepping stone into you and Matt deciding to... Because the first book that you and Matt made together was The Opposite of Pizza, right? Yeah. So um, the way that kind of happened was Matt would also kind of come up with ideas um, that could be kids' books. And they were like... And he would show me illustrations that he would sketch out, which I can like still see like vividly in my head because they were just like these gorgeous... uh, characters or or scenes that look like they were drawn like a hundred years ago you know like that 
just this really cool stuff. But like the story would be like, it would start off like this classic story and then it'd be like about arms dealing. (laughs) (laughs) Like Matt is like, his, his mind is like this beautiful thing that, um, you know, that, I don't know. It's, it's, it's awesome. But like, you know, I'm not going to do a kid's book about arms dealing, um, which probably wasn't actually the case anyway. But, um, he came up with this idea. He was like, Hey man, I got this idea that I think you're actually going to like. And he like kind of told me the, you know, the, the version, a, a early version of, of what's the opposite of pizza. And, um, and I was just like, man, this is awesome. This is like exactly the kind of kid's book that I would want to do. And then we just talked on the phone. This is when I was in Charleston. We would just talk on the phone for four hours a day, a couple times a week, and just come up with with dumb stuff <laughs> that, and, and then like eventually filter through it, like just the just insane questions and and um, you know it was just kind of like ABC Charlotte. I was like, this is something that I think people uh, would actually enjoy, and we could actually, you know, when you're dealing with like. A record i've never really thought of like hey we could sell this record but like with a kid's book i feel like you to an extent you do have to be like people would actually pay like 20 bucks for this you know um right. i've never like sat down at a uh at a guitar or a drum set or sat down with a guitar or at a computer and like been like all right man that this might somebody might pay 20 dollars this and eight other songs you know like but with a with a book like you're like you know what you like it's it's another it's another limitation that i think can like get you a little bit of creativity like you can't go absolutely berserk because it's for kids right right um and that was a that's a really fun limitation to work with and i think like you know i think we're a little bit spoiled because we you know, I, I feel like a lot of people that we know and that we play music with, like that me, me and you, Dylan and, you know, Matt and Bo and all the people we're talking about, like they like I think we kind of make music. I hate to speak for other people, but I think we kind of make music so that it exists in the world, not necessarily right. like because someone's going to like it or because like you just want to make the thing that you wish existed. Yep, exactly. Yeah. And I, and I, and I think that's crucial if unless you're. You know, I do appreciate the other end, like you know, when the Kinks are like, "We're gonna write a hit," and they just make Lola. Like that's and, and it's incre- Yeah, there's yeah, something yeah. to be said to that too. But uh, yeah, I agree that a lot of us have made music that's like self-serving. But I mean that in the in the best possible way. Yeah, you know? yeah, and I think like that, like we really wanted the the opposite of pizza to exist. Like we wanted that kids book when we were kids. Right. Um, do other people want it? Like, we hope so. <laughs> you know? yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, that's cool. I feel like you're the, because of your approach to that book, because you're writing it, because you wish that you had that book when you were a kid, like, that's a pretty unique perspective to have as a, somebody pursuing that craft, you know, like you, I think most people probably in that world are making kids books. Because they said, oh, well, this one will sell X amount of copies, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. It's cool to be writing w- the book that you wish you had, you know? Yeah, and if people like it, you know, like, I mean, we kind of have the luxury of, like, you know, it takes us, like, a year to do these books. If we were professional illustrators, we'd probably be knocking these out in, like, the span of a month. But, like, we have the luxury to, like, make income with, like, 
our other jobs. So like yeah. we all, so, and I know we like, I know you and all of us, like, you know, there's so many parallels between um, this bookmaking thing and the band stuff. Like, you know, we, we don't have to make money off this. So like we can kind of be a little bit more experimental and make a 72 page kids book about nothing, you know, like, <laughs> With, is it really 72 pages? Dude, it's 72 pages. But like some wow, pages have amazing. like a sentence on them, you know? <laughs> yeah, but that's still like, that's impressive, man. I guess. <laughs> I think so. It's for the kid who has a, has some, uh, what's the right word? A good attention span. <laughs> uh, patience. <laughs> yeah. Matt, Matt says like, we don't really want you to finish this book. We want them to be asleep and pick it up. But like, there's a lot of reasons we don't want you to finish this. I mean, dude, I could, because by the end of it, it's about arms dealing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Because then you find out about human trafficking and boy, exactly. man, then you got a real conversation on your hands. Um, the, uh, the, the final chapter is too much. <laughs> yeah, dude. But, um, so, I mean, we, we want that book to be, and Matt's really big into this, and, and I think we both are at this point, but, like, for it to be, uh, and, and a lot of, like, art that he has made, like, not necessarily illustrative work, but, like, art, art, um, it has been functional, and it's been, like, like, the thing that I have of his is a little, um, it's, like, um, like, super stippling of, uh, just, it's kind of like an abstract piece that's, uh, but it's laminated and you can carry it around and like, you can like, it calms you when you look into it and right. it's just this beautiful thing. And like having something functional, um, even if it's a hat or a shirt or something like having like, uh, I don't know, it's kind of fun to play with what an object is. And, uh, that book we want, we rather that book, uh, like get shut and then, you know, you're talking about, uh, oh, was the world any bigger? Like, there's a line in the book that's like, is the world any bigger? Did the world get any heavier the day you were born? Like, we rather that book get shut right there, and then you're talking to your kid about, like, what does that mean? Like, why is the... Yeah, what a concept for a, for a, child, or for a child to wrap their yeah, head yeah. around. Yeah, so like... Um, you know, we rather that happen. Like it's a, we kind of, we kind of think of that book as a functional, um, tool or a functional, uh, it's not so much a get to the end of it. Um, kind of thing. It's more like a, it's about the journey, baby. I mean, it is, you know, <laughs> it's about like what offshoot this, this book gets you to it's to quote one of my favorite TV shows. It's the thing that gets you to the thing, you know? Um, and like, I think that's a cool thing for a book to be. What what TV show is that? Halt and Catch Fire. <laughs> Ooh, I like it. I like it. It's well, a, dude, I, I I definitely want to talk about the new book as well. Oh yeah, uh, the the coolest noise. Uh, like, so you put out what's the opposite of pizza? What's the was there? What's the timeline? Like, how long? But how how much time passed before uh, book number three? I think a, I think about a year. Um, oh wow. So you guys have just been going. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just, just like band stuff, man. It's just like, you know, you start working on the next record, you know, like why, yeah. why take a break, you know? Yeah. yeah um, for some, sure. sometimes you should. And like, you know, we hopefully will do that. Like we already have one that we're like working on with, um, uh, Creighton, 
You know Creighton? Oh, well, yeah, yeah. Um, Creighton Barrett. Yeah, so, like, we want to do one with him, too. But, like, you know, it's just hard to work on two books at once, which we thought we could. So, like, we want to do What a it. cool idea, though, man, because his – I do think his artistic style will pair really well with you guys. Yeah, man, and he, he, he's he got a beautiful mind, too, man. Like, he's – I mean, you see it when you see his his work, his, yeah. his visual work. Like, he's, he's a wild dude, and he's just, like, got this – purity to his to his work too you know well i haven't had a chance to meet him but i do love his artwork I yeah. mean, uh, if, if even if the only thing i'd ever seen was that secret guest album cover you know <laughs> come on it's so good <laughs> it's perfect it's almost like uh like vaguely makes me think of like it's a i mean it's nowhere near as violent <laughs> yeah but it does kind of make me think of the family man black flag album cover yeah, but I mean, think of just like, and then it's like kind of like it's got like a little bit of like a like a like a fucked up perspective like perspective of like a domestic situation, you know? Yeah, uh, but that dude's art. But his fucked up is more like at like in the like abstract, just like a funky, like interesting like Dolly. I mean, not as not as warped and weird as yeah, Dolly, yeah, yeah. but like you know, just like how like the door is open and you see that we like the this is like the visuals are really really striking and like mildly psychedelic to me. But yeah, mildly very, psychedelic is a really good good way to describe his Yeah, his it's stuff, not dude. like, you know, you think of like Dali as like full-on psychedelic. Yeah. So it's maybe not the best comparison point, but Raymond, might even Raymond be more Petaboni, like a... Yeah, oh, the other guy you're talking about, Raymond Pettiboni, like, he, like it, he, it's hard to escape his influence. Like, like if you're if you're me and Matt... I'm a huge or, fan, or, too. Or, or Creighton, or you, if, and you're making visual art, and like you, you're, you're anywhere you know, in the punk world, like, it's hard to escape that influence. Yeah, I mean, how are you going to get much better than, like, Sonic Youth's Goo as an <laughs> album cover? <laughs> right, you know? yeah, exactly. Like, so, I mean, I, I say that, obviously, it's a, it's purely Creighton in style, but the things that it reminds me of are things that I also love. So, I, I say all that as, to, you know, just to, like, try to add more of a positive light to it because it's his Creighton stuff is so cool. It's like, I think he has like a, I mean, similar to Matt and yourself, like just like, I know it's Creighton's when I see it, you know? Yeah. There's no way to, that's all you can hope for. Right. Is this it? Have your shit be uniquely yours. My nephew said that who is, he is, uh, who I'm in a band with called pickle boys. Look it up. It's not on the internet. Um, my How am I gonna look it up? <laughs> uh, just like if you have my phone number, just call me. Um, <laughs> okay, gotcha. and, and I'll send you a demo. Um, it, it's actually, dude, we're not, we cannot talk about that. But it's the best band I've ever been in. I'm oh, not. We already talked about it. <laughs> we we did. Did I send it to you yet? No, no, no. I mean, like two seconds ago, we oh, talked about dude, it. Dude, I'll I'll send this to you. Um, Hell yeah. Yeah, and then you can have my nephew on. Um, Hell yeah. But uh, he, I, I was like, I was like Bennett. Uh, he is, uh, he's nine now. We started Pickle Boys when he was five. So, you know, uh, it's, oh, that's it's, amazing. Ser- it's serious. But, um, yeah. but so I, 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 I took an advanced copy over to the house and I was like, Hey Bennett, like, uh, cause you know, he's like, he's not, he's crazy. Um, I was like, Bennett, uh, can you like take a second and like, uh, sit in this room and I want you to like check this book out and I'd really like to know what you think about it. And he was like, he was like, yeah, he's like, yeah. Okay, cool. And, um, and he, and he, and he took time. He was like all wound up too. And he sat down and he, 
and he checked it out and he was like, um, and one of the things that like a nine year old, uh, he was having trouble communicating. He was like, I don't know how to say this. I don't think I'm going to say this right, but I can tell it looks like you did it. It looks like you and Matt did this, you know? So what he was saying is there's like a continuity of a style and, right. um, you know, which is very obvious to me and Matt and maybe like to people that know us, but like to, to know that like a kid can be like, Oh, that's a, you that's know, huge, man. I, that's why kids love Dr. Seuss. Cause all the books remind them of the other books. You know what I mean? Yeah. 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 It's important. Uh, I think that consistency can be really important, especially in, you know, in, in, in art, in any art, in any, in music and everything, but like, uh, it can be like to have a thread between it, um, between each work, I think is, is pretty crucial. Right. Um, or, or a very, very, um, awesome thing to push against. Uh, it's pretty cool that you have a nephew who's, uh, down for the cause and down to help you, uh, workshop stuff too. He's so down. He's so down for the cause, man. That's Um, awesome, man. Yeah. Well, dude, I, I am so excited about, all of the stuff that you've been doing, man, like even like, you know, the vanity plates record. Oh was, yeah. It was amazing. Like these books are, are great. I feel like you're always in a, in a, in various bands that, that I think are great. You know, like, uh, you know, you were saying that you don't play guitar much, but some of my favorite bands are the bands that you played primarily guitar. <laughs> you know? so, like, cool. Uh, but yeah, like it, it's been, it's been awesome having a chance to like, dive into this deeper with you because I, I have so many friends like yourself who like you know you and I've spent a fair amount of time you know kind of like together in like short spurts like you know two hours at Royal American together or whatever right on, but yeah. like you know we're focusing on you've got a set to play and I've got a set to play and we're and there's like 15 other friends that we're all saying hey to so we don't get to talk for almost two hours you know <laughs> and, yeah. and like like I mean, this is probably the longest I've chatted with anybody for the show, and uh, I might be. It's good? probably just because I'm I'm out of practice and 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 probably just rambling more than usual. But <laughs> I think the biggest reason is because I was excited to to get to know you better, man. So me too. Thanks for thanks for taking the time to come and chat with me, man. And and like I said, man, don't don't let Matt. Uh, hate me for not bringing up the book sooner. Like I do want my my closing thoughts on on the episode to be like if you're listening to this like go check out the books that that matt and thomas are making together like and and go check out abc's of charlotte like go it's all it's all really 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 cool man and like no you know i think both of us would agree that we have a lot of peers who regularly impress us whether it's Bo or brett or you name it right but but you're the only one of my friends who's doing this kind of thing. Oh and, yeah, yeah, thanks. Uh, so similarly to when I first saw yard work, and I was like, "Wow, this is huge! Like, this makes me want to be. This makes me want to keep making music because it makes me realize just how expressive and how exciting music can be. Like the way the way that you have like a willingness to try new things. Like, uh, you know, obviously." A few years back, you'd never made a book before, and now you've made three. You know, like <laughs> four. It, 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 or four. Yeah. What's the? What am I forgetting? What's well, the fourth a- ABC one? ABC Charlotte, one two three Charlotte, uh, opposite of pizza. Oh. And uh, and uh, the coolest noise. How could I forget the one two threes? Yeah. Are just as important as your ABCs. Man. Yeah. <laughs> kind of. Well, yeah, dude. I thanks th- for I, thanks I, for regularly making art that makes me excited to to 
make art myself and to just I don't know you make you're you're an exciting friend to have. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, man. I appreciate it. I gotta send you. I gotta, have I sent you this book? Yeah, I'll, I'll send you a uh, advanced copy of this book. So you can Dude, check let it me out. buy one. I got I got bunches of nephews and nieces. Yeah. I need to. I got Christmas presents. I need to get in the work. So yeah. I'll hit you up. Cool, man. I think you're gonna like it. It's a. It's like about being in a band and like why that's cool. Well, um, when I saw that the uh, the page that had Bose like uh, old uh, Gretch Gretch in there, and then I think is that D Boone's. Telly Deluxe in there. It is, man. And, and, and we, I was just like, oh, I'm sold, man. We like, put, I'm probably gonna have to buy two copies because if I gave one to my nephew, I didn't. I'd really secretly want it for myself. Dude, you know? it, it was like we had. We just chose to do all guitars, um, but like we had to get like we had to get something of the Minutemen in there because like you know that ethos is like you know that's one of the big things that like we learned you know like like in our journey like of like playing music like you know you think you're going to be like this you know you see people playing and you're like i want to do that i want to be up there but then you realize like i think a lot of us like realize quickly that like that's not the thing you know like you i don't know the whole point of this book is to kind of like demystify like the gear stuff and demystify kind of celebrate and demystify like all the things like that are kind of in front of playing music and like, right. you know, just like Minutemen stuff, like they got in a room and just like played until it sounded good, you know, and, yeah. and made something bigger than themselves. And like all the virtues that you learn from being in a band, it's like, yeah. it's like soccer practice or karate or something. Like you got to learn to communicate. You got to learn, you know, you, you got to, there's so many things you have to be good at to be a good band. And it's not just like, you know, getting people to clap at you. Yeah. Right. Dude, it's speaking, I mean, you know, how we said we could have a whole podcast about those bands. Like we could have a, a whole series about the, how the Minutemen ethos has shaped people. I mean, I, I don't, I think that there's probably not a singular thing in my life that has, that is, like influenced or at least inspired me to make music as much as the way that those guys it's like i love the music but like you said the ethos is the most inspiring thing like uh their approach to being in a band is absolutely inspiring like that just kind of like there should be a band on every corner and a record label on every other <laughs> corner and so it just cool. makes you realize like it doesn't matter what your circumstance is it matters what your like drive is you know yeah and that's why i'm i mean you know that's why i'm so impressed with you and matt you know like you did you put out a book last year like most people <laughs> don't go put out a single book their entire lives and you're you just wrapped up number four so i mean this year's been, uh, you know, obviously a, a pretty hard one, but I hope you and Matt take the time to, like, at least give yourselves a soft pat on the back <laughs> to, like, acknowledge that despite, uh, you know, life being absolutely enough to slow people down and make people need a breather, like, you guys are still, like, I don't know, you just have, like, this tenacity that is... This is noteworthy, man. We appreciate that, man. Usually, usually that pat on the back comes comes in the form of a, a bike trip together. That's all, dude. That's a huge pat on the back. Give yourselves <laughs> that. Give yourselves another bike bike trip 
for sure. <laughs> yeah, man, we're 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 trying. <laughs> Hell yeah, man. Well, dude, after this, I'm gonna hit you up for some links to your music, and I'm I got some books to buy. But cool, dude. Thank thanks for chatting with me, man. Dude, it's been a pleasure. Well, dude, uh, let let's uh let's get together and and ride some bicycles. Yeah, soon. I think I think we need to do that, dude. I think I think you should come down here and we should. Yeah, ride, what, we should what was ride the name of that spot stuff. again? Uh, Uwari. Uh, let's make it let's make it happen there yeah dude we can go there we can go to mcalpine creek uh dude there's uh there's some really awesome rides here nice well i'm looking forward to it man i'm gonna bug you about it so we actually make it happen (laughs) all right brother let's do it all right thomas i'll talk to you soon all right later dude see ya this has been a comfort monk production